0: So welcome back to another episode of Replicons, where this week we're discussing a paper entitled "Cognitive Deficit or Deficits in People Who Have Recovered from COVID-19." Um, so I haven't had COVID yet, but clearly I can't read. So it's a uh, nice start off this paper. So this is another paper uh, suggested by Anton. So Anton, do you mind just giving a quick overview why you picked this one?
1: Well, there is a lot of mysteries around this, and uh, I-, I think with uh ongoing vaccination efforts i think it's a valid motivational point for many people who were previously considering the pros and cons of vaccinating Uh, a lot of people are surprisingly not i will unsurprisingly sensitive about their intellectual well-being right that's a point of pride for a lot of people like even even if you're scanning people uh you know during some neuroimaging and you show them their brain you're not supposed to say anything about their brain like people tend to misinterpret anything like people take great pride like almost irrational pride in their brain and their intelligence you should never comment on on any of this and so maybe if you know we can we talk more about the intelligence and uh it's actually not intelligence but more cognitive abilities and covid you'll be able to unveils a shroud of mystery a little bit more.
0: So you're thinking from like a public health perspective, if we can prove that COVID impacts people's intellectual abilities, then it'll be easy sell to get everybody vaccinated because everyone wants to keep their brain nice and healthy, right?
1: Yeah, but when you say it out loud, it kind of makes me look biased. (laughs) So don't say it.
0: So, so I guess to get started, if anybody is listening and is unaware, long COVID. The idea here is that uh, when you catch like the actual like uh, viral infection of COVID, you'll have immediate symptoms that are respiratory in nature and inflammatory as well, um, and those are pretty well established. It's like difficulty breathing, acute respiratory distress syndrome, like loss of like taste, and I think there's another sensory one. I don't remember but also people complain of this uh, idea of brain fog or just like cloudiness in thought. And the idea behind long COVID is that some of these symptoms may extend past like the initial uh, period of symptoms to stick with people for like three, six, nine months afterwards. And the ones being explored here are cognitive abilities. So they, I guess overall the study, I can just kind of go into my understanding of what happened Um, There was a huge survey uh, that was done in conjunction with a documentary series on the BBC where the authors essentially asked, I think it was 80,000 plus people, to take nine different cognitive tests and then also share information on uh, whether they thought that they had been infected with COVID in the past, along with information on, like, the degree of severity of their symptoms if they did have COVID or think they had COVID. Um, and so they did these nine tests and then compared them to a control group, which I believe this test has been like given to lots and lots of people in the past, and then um, tried to associate that if people had symptoms of COVID in the past, would they have some kind of like significant decrease on these, in theory, objective assessments of different types of like cognitive abilities? Um, do you guys kind of is that? Do you think I got the gist of it?
1: Yeah, they did uh, well. If you're not talking about the analysis, I think you set the stage pretty nicely.
0: So I guess overall, what do you what do you think of this design? Do you think it is set up in a way that can help to prove the point?
1: Well, Nami, you you mentioned that you you think there is mi- there might be a sampling bias, right? Um, that's my gut
2: feeling and that's like applies to any other studies in uh, this kind of nature, but yeah, so it's online study, so that my first feeling is, oh, like people who, there are people who can't be online, <laughs> like they can't, they can't, uh, they might not have a stable internet connection, seems like you need a stable internet connection, I don't know how long this task actually uh, lasted. But I think the study was like forty to sixty minutes um, somewhere in the document. So yeah, you kind of need to have that kind of connection, and you also have to have time off on that like period of time during. I mean, you know, life is busy and <laughs> people are not attentive, especially in the um what well, we call it in the wild, but in the in the, at home like outside the laboratory. So yeah, those people who cannot afford uh, like the stable internet connection or like the time off. Um, uh yeah c- could have been excluded but yeah i'm impressed by that number of people who are included so i don't know if that's reflected in the dem- demographics or not but that's one of the concerns about sampling.
1: yeah another another part about the sampling is it it's a self-selecting sample right so only people who who actively sought out this questionnaire and clicked and you know spend their time without any without any compensation, right, were part of the study. So we could say that these are specific type of people, right? Not everyone is willing to do that. Maybe there is something about this population in particular.
0: So just yeah. for more context, too, they, the way they got participants was they just put, like, a banner ad on the mm-hmm. website for this documentary series, right? And this mm-hmm. banner ad was more or less said, like, hey, uh, take this online test to learn about your, like, cognitive abilities. Right, it, there was nothing to do with COVID. It was just like, hey, click this ad and we'll we'll throw an IQ test at you That in theory will tell you how smart you are
1: Wait, was it was it independent from the COVID uh, questions are those two separate service? Uh,
0: they were put into the survey about cognitive ability But they were just thrown in at the end and there was no like upfront association with COVID so I mm-hmm. think it was like Like, they started collecting data in January. And then in May, they started adding like additional questions just like at the end of the survey that were like, Have you experienced symptoms of, you know, like loss of, you know, shortness of breath, like dry cough, or like the standard COVID type symptomology? And then uh, the extent of it. Mm -hmm. So, so one thing I was thinking here was like, Who actually takes these surveys? Like, who, who sees a banner pop up bad and is like, Oh man. I really need to know how smart I am right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like to me that's not you know, that that's a different type of person than just the median person. So I'm not sure if
1: that kind of changes sort of the sampling bias here. That 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 is the essence of the sampling bias. Yes, we can we can definitely speculate so what, what, what are the distinct features of a typical person who clicked on this banner. And I do not know. <laughs>
0: and it's also people who would be like on the website for a BBC documentary series anyway, right? Which I imagine is already like super self-selected towards like a certain type of person.
1: Yeah, I remember the good example of that is I remember when Trump posted a tweet poll or something like, do you support Trump? And uh it was like an overwhelming 93% people support Trump. He was like, see? It's fabricated. <laughs> Everything is
0: fabricated except this one. Yep. Yeah, 99% of statistics are lies, right? Is that <laughs> like...
1: Yeah, I mean, like if people are already hanging out on your Twitter profile, I guess, like, they are supporters, why why ask anyway?
2: Yeah, it's a good point. Just in general, like, think about people out here, right? like that ID and think about people who are not in the dataset, and yeah. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, that's, I think it has a name. It's it it has a weird name. Like it's a present slash present bias, whatever it means. It's like it's very easy to think about things in front of you, but also really hard to think that there are the things that you're not including and you need to compare it to.
0: So one thing I wasn't totally clear on is they were like collecting information starting in January for this like cognitive assessment type like survey. And they had mentioned that the survey was specifically designed for like elderly individuals that had some type of like uh, cognitive issues. So was this like like a survey that was meant for something else, or that had been used in the past, and like a bunch of data had been collected, and then the authors were like, "Oh, you know, this could probably apply to help also like get some information on long COVID." And so let's uh, switch gears a little bit. I'm curious, did you guys have that kind of same feeling that the test itself was had a bunch of data before and then the authors just kind of used this for long COVID purposes?
1: They made it look like, but when I looked it up, it actually is a rather new test. And there is, like, whatever data they have, it's not published. So normally, surveys and questionnaires would go through a lot of the construct validity stuff, right? So if they have this nine independent tests these nine tests they shouldn't they should they shouldn't all measure the same thing right they should all be relatively uncorrelated with each other The uh, the discriminant validity right and they should be each one of them is supposed to be reasonably correlated with similar tests like for example the the spatial or like the tower of london performance should be correlated for example with tower of hanoi Right, so because it's same same-ish task. And so all those data, they should be available. I Maybe I was, I, mean, I don't know, maybe I googled it wrong or something, but definitely, I wouldn't say a red flag, but something to think about.
0: Yeah, I left a comment on the Research Hub page for this paper, because um, they actually like cite something. Well, one thing I'd never really even thought about before, which may be obvious to you guys, is um, like when you're doing an online survey, maybe it's easier to take it on a desktop than like a mobile phone. And so the authors had said like that, like these tests had been validated to like have similar results independent of whatever device people were taking them on, (laughs) which is like, that to me introduces like a whole nother level of like bias that could potentially sneak in here. But um, they didn't, like they said, based on previous data, and then they didn't include any like link or citation to that previous data in order to like look at how these tests had like performed in the past.
1: Yeah, their only link is uh, I uploaded it and it just leads to a very, very brief protocol, given the link to the to the study itself. And describing how long you know sections take and stuff like that, but there are no there are no you know nitty gritty details about stuff which is, you know, I would I would like to look at it, but I to address your concern, I wouldn't imagine like the task I I went through it. It's not it's not really time sensitive, like it measures the reaction time, but it's not like in milliseconds. It doesn't you don't have you don't vary, you know, for, for, from fractions of a second. On this Child versus another and also it's it's rather small so I, I guess what they did is they just made sure that uh if you open it on like one of the first uh, one of the first smartphones like nokia or something with a with a screen size of i don't know quarter of an inch it just doesn't open or something i don't know scales down probably doesn't just doesn't open just gives you an error message so there is not really much else to do. It's there are not a lot of color sensitive manipulations. I don't know. I think they just make it sound cool, but it's not actually something special. Yeah,
2: like one thing that I interested in kind of like user experience or maybe thing is like some people just drop out like oh this is too small this is too difficult for me to complete i'm just
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's like, right? like that yeah so like what i'm just curious like again people talking about people who are not in the room like do they just stop somewhere and things like that so
1: Oh yeah. I wonder if we can stare at the descriptive results and identify restriction of range. Absolutely. Like Nami said, people who who have this mental fatigue, fogginess and everything, they probably didn't finish the task.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So, so you end up like with that compound results for mm-hmm. someone who's feeling like you'd end up seeing more results of brain fog than you would otherwise.
1: Yeah, you could say that these data are more optimistic than they should be, right? Because the people who are really not doing well, they weren't even able to participate.
3: I mean, there are people who are on ventilator right now.
1: Yeah, and just doing an intelligence uh, intelligence test, like on your free time, <laughs> on in the ventilator room. Just let's do some intelligence tests.
3: Yeah, I think it wouldn't uh, go by de- by definition of the long COVID because it means right. that you still have active symptoms.
0: What what is the definition of long COVID? Is it like after six weeks or something? Like, is there a like an official term? I, I didn't see it anywhere in here. I imagine there is though.
3: Long COVID.
0: You're normally like done feeling symptoms like within like three or four weeks, right?
1: Like at at the most. There is a. Study called "Why the Patient-Made Term Long COVID Is Needed" beyond four weeks, beyond four after weeks. the same time of onset, yeah, suggesting COVID. Yep. Interesting. So, so one thought that
0: was in the back of my mind um, when I was reading this study is like the authors' goal here is to gather information from like a, a huge sample of like how much does long COVID affect your cognitive capabilities, right? And so this like study design, like I wonder if trying to nail down the answer to that question would have been better served having like a smaller sample where like the like methods used are a lot more rigorous. Than just like an online survey like maybe it's better to have 500 people who are actually going to see a physician like once every month or something and doing these tests in person i wonder like do, do you all have any insight into why you would choose this study design compared to something like that
3: i mean follower mm-hmm.
1: yeah if you have a sample size of a few hundred thousand anything is significant The the error bar is so small, any difference is significant. I'm I'm guessing I don't know, maybe it's a way to compensate for inability to do a proper experiment, right? Just because you can't it's really hard to catch a person who was before COVID, test them on intelligence, then catch them again and do it after COVID. Right. So and it's really it's it's impossible ethically impossible to assign people into COVID. Right? That would be really upsetting.
2: Yeah. Anyway, we need converging converging evidence, like from mm-hmm. this kind of like lots of data, but kind of vague approach. And oh yeah, we find this one. Maybe we also, right now. So we need to follow patients and like uh, measure that cognitive ability over time. Which is gonna be uh, give you a more precise estimate, and which is gonna give you a better picture of like the the curve where you know how COVID is declining or is it improving like over time, like as you're getting better from COVID or not. So yeah, those things you can figure that out.
1: But then, that would be
3: interesting to see the dynamics and see if those this performance that we see in this uh, paper is actually like, maybe it's actually a recovery uh, state, right? Maybe they are not even that bad as they were before. Or maybe it's declining.
1: Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, you're right. Namin, I mean, do
0: you think that this study is kind of like a first step towards raising the funding needed to do the study that you just mentioned, where you actually follow patients, uh, like, through the course of their disease, or, like, what what's the point of doing this study specifically?
2: Well, I well, I don't know as an author, but, like, my takeaway, my opinion is, yeah, this is, like, a proof of concept type thing, like, where... You get a lot of data. Uh, why not use it? Like it's also like sounded like they're using again. We talk about this, but uh, they're using secondary kind of approach where you know they had this project, uh, but COVID happened. Inserted COVID questions, uh, and we found out. So uh, at that level, I think that's the, the yeah. That's like kind, of, kind of like takeaway from this uh, from this study, in my opinion.
1: But if we, do, if we do the study, the follow-up study, where we follow people around and we happen to find an individual who we took their test of intelligence before and then, hey, they had COVID and we take it again, there is no data on the test, retest reliability of this British que- intelligence questionnaire. It might just fluctuate. Like, you take it on Monday, you're really dumb. You take it on Wednesday, you're really smart. Who mm-hmm. knows?
2: <laughs> yeah that's the issue about using kind of like um i it's they say validated i'm not sure i did not don't They, s- they say
1: they keep saying it i don't see it uh,
2: there's like one section in the paper where they were trying to correlate the performance measure with other committee measure i think but that's the only information that i found and that's yeah in my opinion that's not a great way to validate but who, who knows
0: One other thing I thought was interesting was, like, this is all survey data, so you're relying on people's opinions. How do you know if you actually got COVID outside of having, like, a positive test? Like, you're relying on people's, like, own perception of, like, you know, their illness. And I remember when COVID, like, when it was a big deal last spring, I guess, yeah, more than a year ago, like, a year and three months ago, I got allergies. And I was like, oh, man, I got to stay away from my family because my throat's scratchy. And like, if you would ask me, did Pat have COVID, I would have been like, yeah, you know, definitely. But I just had allergies and did, definitely did not have COVID. So, like, I don't know, it seems, it seems really hard to have people like, self-report you know, their own COVID status. And even like, like one thing I thought was interesting was of the patients who are on ventilators, I think mm-hmm. 85% of them had a positive COVID test. So there was 15% of people on ventilators who never had a positive test. And like I'm sure that's just because why waste the resources when somebody's already on a ventilator? You can just assume it's happening Like in practice in the clinic. But yeah, it just seems really hard to like survey somebody and get reliable data of self-reported the COVID status.
1: Right, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think they specifically asked about biological positive test result which kind of makes the situation better
1: but it's still self report we don't know maybe they lied so maybe we could we should interpret the results by the way speculation moment by the way joke moment (laughs) maybe it's not that people who had uh, you know severe severe course of COVID, but it's people who are like really anxious about their health and they tend to over report everything they're like i was basically dying for a week while while they had like a fever mild fever (laughs) maybe those people have cognitive issues
0: (laughs) i was thinking the people who would be interested in like who would be attracted to the to the ad the banner ad probably pretty, like, neurotic about their own mental capabilities. So it, there is a little bit of, like, confoundingness to that, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we know we know from previous research that an- anxiety is, like, really bad for all your cognitive abilities. So maybe those people are not, like, are not normally underperforming, but now because they're super stressed, now that you know, getting lower scores.
3: Yeah, I was actually thinking about how much people care about random intelligence test results in on the internet right because if they would know that this is a study to know something maybe they would be more focused during doing the test and perform better because i feel like people just You know, study is 40 to 60 minutes. You just get bored in the middle because you look at the same pictures and you're trying to remember what the heck is going on. And they just, I don't know, get distracted. They scroll through their phones, they do other stuff. So this part actually bothers me more than other parts of the study.
1: I can confirm that. I went through the test, I was very bored, and I was using my phone the entire time. How, 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 how long is the test itself? Like, and I think anti-study is sixty minutes, but like the test 40. Itself 40 to 60, depending on your performance. Some of them are not timed, You're like you sit there and you click stuff.
0: So, so this is a little bit back in the conversation, but I just looked up the rate of positive COVID-19 biological test results. And they they break this down based on severity of illness. And mm-hmm. so um, people who were ill, so ill without respiratory symptoms, uh, 2% had a positive test, 2.5%. Um, people who were ill but had no home assistance, 3% had a positive test. Ill but with home assistance, um, 8% had a positive test and then hospitalized with no ventilator, 15%, hospitalized with a ventilator, 85%. So that doesn't totally fit in what my brain would expect. Like people who are hospitalized, you know, with COVID-19 symptoms, only 15% of them have a positive biological test, self-reported. So it could have been more, but it feels a little weird to me.
1: Do you guys see the control group anywhere on the graphs? like the people who did not have COVID or anything related to COVID.
0: So what was the control group? I was trying to find that and I couldn't, they, they mentioned they compared the results to a control. And that's why I assumed that it was data collected pre-pandemic, just random data using these tests. But yeah, I had no idea what the control was. I, I'm I guessing.
3: Feel like, I feel like people who had negative COVID test or didn't have a positive COVID test were the control group.
1: Oh yeah, see, cc okay. So we can we see it in table two that they have not ill uh, group, and it's the l- largest one. It's like ten times larger than all other. Yeah, groups. the
3: majority of people in the sample size didn't have COVID, and they are control group. People who had a positive biological test were the experimental. group.
1: So, so but these what where are their results did they did they score perfectly oh, I guess everything is plotted against it like how much below average not ill results people have and everything else on the graphs is how much how much less in comparison the people with symptoms had yeah, so that's a different score but uh I yeah like, yeah
0: mm-hmm. So another piece of this study, which um, I think is really lacking, is um, so like as a 30-year-old guy, like if I were to get COVID, the most likely scenario is it would be asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. I still think it's possible that asymptomatic people could have long COVID. You know, it's like maybe you don't notice any symptoms in the moment, but you're like 5% less smart or something. And that like 5% sticks with you, but you wouldn't be like, hey, I have brain fog or something. Mm -hmm. But um, there's no way to distinguish in this study um, people who had asymptomatic infections. They would just be put under the not ill category. So this is basically just studying long COVID in people who had symptomatic infections and totally ignoring the asymptomatic people, which is the grand majority of COVID infections.
1: So how would you identify... Well, yeah, you would identify those just... Pick them at the hospital right after they tested positive, and then responded, "No, I don't feel anything."
0: Yeah, maybe some. Maybe Facebook has some kind of crazy targeting where they can look into your emails and see your CVS test results or something. But like, yeah, I, for sure. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got that resource, <laughs> but, but but yeah, apparently these authors do not. So yeah, at least to me, it was frustrating because like. For my demographic i think the most convincing argument here is like hey even if you get you know an asymptomatic COVID infection like you might still have these cognitive effects down the road like i think is a pretty good reason to get a vaccine or to like be careful but here they don't even go into that
1: demographic which is huge well, well i guess if you follow their rationale with uh, severity, ra- severity then the people you're describing is just going to be even less affected than people in the low, in the least affected group, which is symptoms without respiratory sy- symptoms so with this fever or something. So I guess it's just even less. So like you said, 5%, 5% or something, but you shouldn't extrapolate. Extrapolating is a sin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have data. Yeah.
0: This is super anecdotal, but um one of my friends works as an athletic trainer for an MLS franchise and they noticed that like people who had asymptomatic infections had like reduced like VO2 max like four or five months down the road. And so like I do think it, like I don't have numbers if it's significant or not, but I do think there are inklings out there that like asymptomatic infections can have, you know, it's more like subconscious, you know, like actual symptoms so, yeah, I just think it's a big flaw in the study that you can't actually figure out who has COVID and who doesn't have COVID.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably agree with you, but just siding a little bit with offers of the paper, I just want to say that they did the best that they can in the situation they were in. So, you can't just, you know, invite people in the lab in the midst of the pandemic. So, it's It needs to say that we need more evidence to know for sure what's happening and if there are any long-lasting cognitive deficits, as they they call them, or not. Yeah, but this is a a good first step. This is something they did, and that was pretty good in the circumstances they were working in.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's always easy to say, oh, a visual study was a little better. <laughs> but they already did a pretty good job.
0: Yeah, totally. And they, they are pretty, like, I think, transparent about the weaknesses in the discussion. So you're, you're totally right. They're doing the best that they can, that they have.
3: Yeah, I guess my biggest issue is the term cognitive deficits, which I feel like, is something very diagnostic and very uh you know stigmatizing at the same time so when we talk about cognitive deficits we usually talk about like populations with special needs right mm-hmm. and here we they, they didn't uh measure intelligence tests to diagnose anything and you have to have special like circumstances to diagnose these kinds of things so I feel like they are very loose with terminology. <laughs> More loose than, they, than I would want them to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, even in their worst group, which actually makes me think that we should reveal the results finally. In the worst group, the, 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 the medium, right, the mean difference was 4.5 standard, di- oh, wait, 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 0.45 standard deviations below the norm, which is still not, like, the person who scored that is not stupid. They're, like, slightly, sl- you know, slower and more error-prone than other people. It's not a deficit, I mean, in a in conventional term. But the great, great British
2: intelligence test doesn't measure your intelligence greatly accurately. What are you talking about?
1: No I mean, even if it does, even if it does, but actually look at the, these error bars, they're so huge, I think it's a testament that maybe it doesn't. anyway, So even if it's true, the worst case scenario is not even that bad. Like sure, it's you know almost half deviation below, but it's definitely not the special needs level.
3: Yeah, it's not a cognitive deficit as the terminology is usually used.
0: Mm-hmm. We should so say that, it, that's great. That was in the patient group that was actually on ventilators at the time, right? Where, like, th- this is like the most severe, or or was that across everybody who had self-reported symptoms?
1: Okay, well, let's go to, through the results. So, if we have, if we take zero as a baseline, right, person who is not ill, then uh, I'm going to talk on standard deviations and standard deviations in. I don't know what is the best way to describe to non-scientific readers what the standard deviation is, in the z in, in the z. <laughs> it's
0: it's like so so if if zero is you're the median, right? You're the average person, and one is you're... it's thirty three percent away from the median, right? Is that in the right? in the z distribution? So mm. That would be a normal distribution. Um, so so basically, if you're one standard deviation away you are almost in the top quarter of like or a little bit past the top quarter of people away from the mean and then two standard deviations is like your what is it like the 85th percentile or something and basically zero means average and the further in a positive or negative direction um the more to one end of the spectrum you are
1: yeah, two, two standard deviations is means you're either in the top or at the bottom 2.5%, right? Yeah, okay.
2: So it's basically like like max two. Like if you're, <laughs> if two is very great, right? One is, oh, yeah, that's great. And zero is like, you're yeah, good average kind of thing. And it can go to negative signs as well. But I don't, my gut feeling is that, that like, yeah, one is already great. Two is like, you're exceptional, you're crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So with that in mind, uh, so people who had symptoms without respiratory symptoms are 0.04 standard deviations below. People with respiratory symptoms, no assistance at home or so 0.08. So that's not even 10% of one standard deviation, just saying. The next one, the respiratory symptoms, medical assistance at home is uh, slightly worse. I mean, not slightly worse. I mean, 1, 0.11 or 12. Stent below then substantially worse is went to hospital but, but was not put on a the ventilator. They are too two point, uh, they're zero point 0.26 below. And then the worst performing group was, uh, went to hospital and was put on a ventilator and they had 4.6, I don't see it's S- 4, 4, 0.47 or something like this.
0: So yeah. one, one question I have about these results is they gave nine different uh, like, test mm-hmm. cognitive capability, and they have the standard deviations for each one, but then they end up reporting like a composite score. Do mm-hmm. you know how they got that composite score? Is it just the average or?
1: I'm know. not sure, yeah, so. They do the, yeah.
2: like a fact analysis, right? Kind of
1: thing, no? Oh, well, well yes, yeah. so whatever they did, whatever they calculated, global component, they, so in table three, You'll see the last uh, column. They 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 reveal what what this global component mostly relied on, and so the most one points uh, six three was analogical reasoning. This is the one with which is it? I don't remember. Verbal analogies line is is to fail line as close is to distant true or false that's the example they have so this is a, this, this score represented this kind of questions way more than all others and let's say what's the close second close second is rare word definition so this is more like encyclopedic knowledge right type of thing yeah and it's the loading is 0.45 and everything else is around four three three or four so i guess actually this score is way more verbal in nature than like mathematical or spatial so like if you're good at tetris doesn't mean that you 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 score high on this global component (laughs) Do you know
0: if this is like kind of a, a standard logic to how they, they weighted these, or is it just what the authors chose to do for the study? They is. Oh,
1: go ahead.
3: Yeah. I feel like it's just the choice of the people who made the test itself. Some yeah. intelligence tests are more like math based or spatial reasoning based. Some tests some more verbal based. It seems like this one is more verbal-based. What,
1: what's weird is that they say that these nine components are like, unique, independent, right? So they are independent facets or of cognitive ability. But then they clump them all together. Why? <laughs> that, it, would be, I, I, it would be interesting for me to see them used as independent predictors instead of the composite score. It seems like a marketing thing. Like, that's
0: too many numbers to throw at people. Like, you just got to give them the one number you know, that says, like, hey, long COVID makes you, you know, half a standard deviation dumber.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I saw, I saw they were setting up the stage for, like, uh, we're going to look at these things separately, but I like, didn't see that in the result. Maybe I mm-hmm. missed it. Yeah. But in the, in the like analysis approaches, like, they would say, oh, we have these indices. Like, okay, good. But I couldn't see it. So I agree with you.
1: That would be interesting. Yeah, maybe i missed it too i do
3: there is a table four that i am not sure what is it, it. but it's
1: a reaction okay so another thing dear authors if you're listening please report the units of measurements in your tables i love you very much you did excellent work but i do not know if it if it's time or it's standard deviation from the score i, I guess it's time but then maybe you can have the same table but with raw scores instead. That would be nice too. So table four is not the score, it's the time, reaction time. I think. It, in standard deviations or in seconds? I don't know. Minutes, hours?
3: And why it's with negative sign? It's like well, how 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 compared. they performed to the control group.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems to be.
0: So another thing I was curious about, and I think they briefly mentioned this in the study, but so if you are on a ventilator, it seemed like the biggest difference was seen in people who were on ventilators, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on a ventilator for any extended period of time, like your your pulse ox is down, like your your blood oxygenation. And so does that mean that your brain is like receiving less oxygen? So maybe like are these cognitive deficits a result of like that like lack of oxygen during the time you were in the hospital more so than like the effects of long covid and i think that they tried to tease that out like they mentioned that like respiratory diseases um that give you like uh acute respiratory distress syndrome um do have some kind of negative cognitive impacts like even when not related to covid so i don't know if they tried to like tease it out before they gave us the standard deviation but yeah that seemed um to me like could be another way to explain this.
1: The only way to, uh, to cure the results of long COVID is to use this inhaling device from the previous podcast.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you got to train yourself.
3: <laughs> yeah, actually, I Googled that. And it seems like it's not just you have hypoxia from having not enough oxygen. You are also kind of heavily drugged when you are on the ventilator. And at the same time, you are fed things like corticosteroids for a prolonged amount of time. And corticosteroids do have some cognitive side effects, for example. So I feel like there are a lot of explanations that can play a role aside from just COVID itself, beginning from like just inflammatory response, long-term inflammatory response, so just side effects of the meds they were exposed
1: to, yeah. I can confirm. I was taking prednisone once for allergies, and I was really dumb. No longer tasteless. I mean, <laughs> I still get blackouts here and there. Now you are very smart. Now I'm like now I'm compensating. I have almost two brains. He used to be so smart. <laughs> no, I'm <Okay>. just smart.
3: <laughs> it's the case of a very long allergy, several years long. Uh, Anthony is still suffering the consequences.
1: Hey, maybe I'm patient zero. This was COVID all all, all along. I've been the first host for 10 years now. Are we going to talk about the causal, causality? Of the study. Yeah, you are good.
3: Yeah, I think it's impossible to establish any causality from this study in particular.
1: Yeah. You need three things for causality, right? Covariance, which means uh, there is an association that we have. Temporal precedence, which please explain to me. They keep saying that in their like really complicated model, they took care of that and they were able to find comparable results for people pre-COVID and post-COVID. Did you see that part? Oh yeah. So I think what they did
0: was um in January or in December at the end of the, the like I guess time period that they were taking these surveys for, mm-hmm. they sent out a secondary survey to have people repeat the cognitive like tests. And then they looked at um like people who like reported that they did have covid but it was only 200 something of the 80,000 who did it initially so that that was another question i had not to um like criticize the uh i guess methods too much but instead of having the control group be you know people who didn't report an illness or maybe it's like prior people using this test um why wouldn't they have people take the survey, ask for them to like report symptoms of COVID and then have them retake the survey again, like six months later and see who actually got COVID during that time and see how their cognitive, you know, changes, you know, to actually see like who got COVID, what did it do? I I guess it's hard to get people to take a survey again, but Mm -hmm. Amazon gift cards out there, make it happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So even if that would, if that is the case, right, then we have temporal precedence, we know that COVID happened first, deficits happen later, but it's impossible for us to get the internal validity, as in, there is no other explanation, right, so because right now we already have some ideas, right, so maybe it's not about COVID, it's about the your your medication, right, or something else, or maybe the people who are more anxious or they have, you know, got anxiety from the course of their their treatment or something, we can't figure it out unless we have random assignment, right? So with random assignment, uh, ideally, we randomly get, uh, get, you know, same anxiety level in both groups, right? We randomly get same medication level in both groups. And everything, well, we will need placebo medication. <laughs> but anyway, we don't have that. So we can't be sure, we can come up. So, so, one way to try to approach it is like what they did, right? So, they had a lot of control variables like age, gender, education, income, race, and stuff, uh, medical conditions, tiredness, depression, and anxiety. So, I, it, it, it's it's more more statistical in a way, right? Controlling for it, if you say, basically if you enter them as a control variables, then the results between the association between COVID and uh, cognitive abilities is with this comment, given that everything else is hold constant, right? Or given that everything else is equal, like magically. Yeah. Right? yeah.
2: We, mm. Yeah. You are looking at the very average person trying to, uh, based on these metrics, average age in the sample, average Mm -hmm. income, blah, blah. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. But we, we can't, we, we can have an infinitely long list, but we can't include all possible alternative explanations, right? Or potential confounding variables. Unless you have random assignment, then you take care of all of it at once.
2: Yeah, yeah, the model
1: become cool. unstable in the end,
2: and then the coefficients will become very really, like weird. Like can the can be positive, can be negative, and the standard errors can inflate for one predictor. So mm-hmm. the the model fit will increase, but so like the it's good for machine learning, but it's not good for interpreting the individual coefficient. In this case, we are interpreting like which we are interpreting like which group has the higher or lower oriented. So yeah, I agree. Sorry, Olga, I cut you off.
3: Yeah, but you can include, like, your best guesses. Uh, I feel like uh, it would make sense to include maybe, like, in next paper, something like whether or not people were treated with corticosteroids or things like this. Yeah. Like, things that are already we, we, we know about that can also have these effects, right? And we know... Yeah, I actually found a meta-analysis on, like, corticosteroids and cognitive deficits. So, like, even acute use of carticosteroids can uh, have some, like, cognitive side effects. So, since we know about this, it makes sense to include it in the model and, like, measure it out and make sure that it doesn't interfere. Or it does interfere and actually explains uh, a big part of the model.
1: Yeah, go- is- it goes back to Patrick's notion earlier about... People self-reporting these conditions, right? So maybe, maybe the people with uh, crazy conspiracies that they were secretly treated with with corticosteroids against their uh, consent, they will have a cognitive deficit.
3: (laughs) Yeah, and at the same time, we are talking about it like if you find something like somewhat irrelevant that will explain the results, it will defy the idea of long COVID uh, being related to this cognitive deficits. But at the same time, I feel like treating long COVID is also a part of the long COVID. So if you're talking about things that are happened in the process of like hospitalization, being on ventilator, treating things, just having these unnecessary life-saving procedures that Uh, influenced some kind of outcome, it's still pretty related to the long COVID we are talking about. So it's more about like looking for mechanism, I feel like at this point, than looking for uh, some kind of like irrelevant variables that doesn't explain anything.
1: Yeah, it could be, it could be the case, right? If we we magically had data on the corticosteroid they probably use prednisone or something like that, right? For
3: dex and methadone.
1: Yeah, dex is dex is the one they use. Yeah. Okay. So, like, imagine we did fine. Like, after we included in the model, there is nothing left over, right? Only, only. You know, the, the, the people who were treated with corticosteroids, they they had this deficits, but people even on ventil- you know, on ventilation, on lung ventilation if they didn't have the corticosteroid treatment, they retained cognitive ability somehow? If that was the case, would you tell your doctor to not treat you with corticosteroids, like if you're a life and death situation? Do you Would you prefer to be dumb or alive?
0: Being and dumb th- and alive isn't so bad.
3: <laughs> and by dumb, we mean point, what, like, half of the standard deviation, right?
1: Yeah, it's not that bad.
3: So not not even that dumb.
1: Yeah, my guess is like if you take an average high school class and range people from smartest to less smart, <laughs> it's gonna be way more than half a standard deviation. So like re- real life ways to be more or less smart are can be way more potent than Zone. Like I don't know, start, start going for a walk. That probably has an effect on, on on cognitive abilities. Yeah, also you don't need
2: like ability to, I don't know, arrange words or like
1: do do that Hanoi Tower. Oh, this is not Hanoi, this is London. Tower. London Tower, do you know what the difference between Hanoi Tower and London Tower? No. In Hanoi Tower, you put these disks from, uh, from one stick to another in london tower you don't you do it mentally and then report how many turns you will need (laughs) (laughs) oh man but but what do you think do you think it's a plausible idea that maybe uh, think about it there is this thing in 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 post post like surgical or like post medical complications whatever you get a broken arm people get more depressed and stuff, not because of the broken arm itself, but because it creates this, uh, I don't know how, how, I don't remember what it's called, but essentially it, it, you are no longer able to do things that you like. Like imagine you, 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 you used to do handwriting, I don't know, take notes, handwritten notes, go for a bike ride. You no longer can do all those things. So maybe it's that. Imagine a person who was recently in a hospital and was put on ventilator. Probably is not doing all the stuffs and in, in life they enjoy, makes them happy, makes them you know.
3: Yeah. Active. Yeah, I was thinking about like just general you know well-being situation, like people who had a very you know bad case of COVID who were treated in ventilator who were on drugs for a prolonged amount of time, who probably lost some amount of money due to, you know, not being able to work and uh, paying off hospital bills. People who needed to be taken care of probably they are like somewhat depressed, somewhat anxious about things.
1: Well, they claim they accounted for those i
3: think they are accounted those. for depression and anxiety as disorders and i'm not sure how did they look at them
1: oh yeah if they mm-hmm. like
3: asked are you diagnosed with depression maybe people yeah. they really know right
1: let me pull it up actually
0: okay. it says yeah. they control for age gender education income racial ethnic group pre-existing medical disorders hiredness, depression and
1: anxiety
3: so when they talk about pre-existing disorders, it feels like they were asking about diagnosis specifically.
1: Right. They have it. They have it in supplementary materials. I remember. Okay. I remember I still have a lot of intelligence after my prednisone treatment. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. So basically I feel like a lot of people who did get bad case of COVID, COVID they are tired and overwhelmed. <laughs> so, That's it. That's uh, reason enough to be half a standard deviation, stupider than you were before.
1: Oh, yeah. So they had mood self-assessment items. Question one. Feeling nervous, anxious, or on edge. And responses are never, almost never, once, twice per week, several times per week, daily, hourly, more often. Hmm. I'm guessing they have the depression question somewhere here as well.
0: Another thing, this is a sort of a different topic, but I thought it was interesting, was did you see how they couldn't tie any of these cognitive effects to distance from first having symptoms? So this is just like anybody, it wasn't like Symptoms like are most prominent, you know, in week five and then dissipate by week 30 or something. It was like no temporal association, which feels not what I would have expected. But also, I guess it's another like just inherent limitation is that, you know, maybe long COVID lasts for like five years. And, you know, by definition, no
1: one can have had it more than like 18 months at this point. So, Uh damn people i actually i highly recommend the supplementary files one is better than the article itself (laughs) it has a lot of information we were wondering about yes i think the anxiety and bipolar and depression it's all self-report yeah Mm. do you have chronic kidney disease yes twice per week (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, I don't know if these scales are, like, like validated or, like, sound, sounds familiar, but there's no way to say,
1: like. Yeah.
0: Mm. But sure. yeah, mm. did you take a look at the uh, uh, Declaration of Competing Interests section? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm not sure if this even really matters all that much, but the lead author, uh, co-director, and owner of H2CD Limited, don't know Mm. what that is, and owner and director of Future Cognition Limited, which supports online studies and develops custom cognitive assessment software.
1: Oh yeah, I guess they know what they're doing, maybe. I
2: mean, hopefully their website works. It doesn't work for me. I don't know why. (laughs) I keep getting (laughs)
0: timed out, yeah. I looked it up, though, to see if, like, it was these, if this company made the surveys used, and I'm not sure if they did. Um, it says they used something, it was, like, Cognitron. Have you ever heard of that, Cognitron? Um, it's, it's made by a different company, though. I just looked it up, and it's not uh, the company
1: that uh, this guy owns. So Wait, I Cognitron? I, I heard things not so good things never mind I'm just a gossip girl here
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I appreciated this declaration of complete complete interest section like because you can just skip it if you want to but you know this is great to practice and um it's actually uh I don't know like there's a risk for authors, I think, because like people get s- skeptical. But I, would, I, I would see it as more like trans- being transparent and, um, yeah, openness. So,
1: good job. So I'm looking at the at the results of the correlations between these nine measurements of intelligence, and uh, it seems that all the verbal tasks are, you know, decently correlated with each other, and math tasks, well, spatial tasks. Are correlated with each other so I wonder if it's, it would be fair to inc- at least inc- include two separate measures like your verbal based intelligence and your I don't know spatial math based intelligence that's how they
0: uh, do the SAT in the US they have like more mm-hmm. than math scores writing
3: yeah and I think that's how like classic IQ tests are organized as well
1: mm-hmm
0: Yeah, so I guess um, what do you guys think about like the results of this study compared to uh, sort of the authors' conclusions, which I think their words uh, specifically, um, I'll pull them up. Uh, these results accord with reports of long COVID cognitive symptoms that persist into the early chronic phase, um, and it acts as a call for further research. Uh, in order to explore the biological and cognitive deficits in COVID survivors.
3: I feel like, in general, we just should be kinder to people who went through this thing. Like, I know a lot of people who did have COVID at some point. And at this point, they were like, yeah, you know, I probably have a long COVID, you know, I'm like having some issues, I don't remember things, I blah, blah, blah. And I feel like a lot of people reading this just feel like they really did get stupider Uh and they feel bad about the situation and maybe there is going to be some kind of stigma about that. And it doesn't seem like a good thing. (laughs) So I feel like we just should Remember that the long COVID is not just about people being exposed to the viral infection. It's also about these like crazy times when we were all sitting at home in four corners and people didn't talk to each other and these people went to the hospital alone. And mm-hmm. who knows what happened in their lives and who knows how they were dealing with this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I do agree, and just uh, in general, more looking at the person's experience uh, more holistically. Um, like it can be very traumatic for uh, people who have COVID because like the sense of like also being burdened to others, like, oh, I maybe probably infected people like, um, yeah, like my sister had that kind of like thing too, like when she had COVID, like, oh, yeah, I everybody and just kind of like having that stress and like thinking about COVID itself is kind of traumatic. Um, yeah, so on that note, I agree with Olga that, you know, like that can be reflected, like small socio-emotional aspects uh, of it. Um, I, I would love to see more appreciation on that aspect, um, to that,
1: yeah. I personally, am, from reading this and from reading supplementary materials, which again is better than the article itself, I'm not personally convinced that this is COVID itself, and not the stuff like depression, anxiety, and uh, reduction and quality of life and just generally the struggle of it and the social component, like like Olga said, you know, it probably sucks being on the ventilator and you know not being able to talk to your loved ones and stuff. So is that in mind? If you do see a person who struggles from brain fog and everything it would even be nice of you if you help them you know emotionally somehow like you know go, go go talk to them go 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 help them in their emotional needs right because i i think a lot of it i don't have any evidence for it but i think a lot of it is from just it being a, you know an uncomfortable very traumatic experience I don't think, I don't know if there is a specific mechanism that, like, that directly changes your intelligence. I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical.
0: It makes a lot of sense. I mean, even just, like, like, imagining being on a respirator where it's, like, you're breathing, but you're not actually controlling your diaphragm. It's just, like, it's happening because you can't, you know, do well enough yourself. It sounds, you know, pretty traumatizing that there would be, like, impacts because of that. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah imagine. While,
3: might... while I was Googling things about being on ventilator, I also Googled that a lot of people who went on a ventilator for some reason have PTSDs
1: mm-hmm. just from totally.
3: being in uh, IUC and uh, being on ventilator.
0: Mm-hmm. But so I guess yeah. the other takeaway here too is if you weren't on a ventilator, then you're just complaining about long COVID, right? No, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I
1: mean, just. just, just just a, uh, i don't know i shouldn't say comfort it's not the comfort like the ultimate manifestation of comfort it's way less comfort when you are you know when you have covid or uh covid symptoms stuff like that so that alone i think is quite capable to produce what we have like a negative 0.25 difference in standard deviations from from the population level of uh, cognitive abilities so i I guess, I don't know. My, my prediction is that they will recover. And even if it's not true, maybe it's better to be, for them to believe that they will recover because placebo is a thing.
3: Yeah. And from what we know, some people may still be in pain, for example, and still experience it like eight weeks or what? Four weeks a lot. of the acute COVID, right? Which will impair your cognitive uh, abilities, for sure.
1: Well, let's see. Maybe they have a question about that. I feel didn't
3: tired? find anything about that. I, they asked about symptoms of COVID, I think, specifically. But, like, there might be side effects of medications and stuff like this that are not directly related to COVID.
1: They, they have question. Trouble concentrating on things such as reading the newspaper, watching television. Why would you... That's... Why would you have it as a confound? That's not a confound, that's a direct thing that you're measuring. Like, why would you have it, why would you remove it from your model? Trouble concentrating should be one of the primary mechanisms that ruin people's performance on this test.
2: Does it predict the outcome? Does it correlate with the outcome? We never know.
1: I don't know, they have like 200 predictors. I'm gonna, gonna go search for it. I don't know. Do they have question 12, in, well, not 12, 11 independently? Do you see it? It's actually talking about the questionable research practices. I'm pretty sure they juggled a lot with a lot of predictors. And I'm not even pretty sure that's what they do in the supplementary materials. They're like, oh, this is a model with this included predictor. This is a model with the they, they recorded predictors and stuff like that.
0: I don't know. Okay, so so I guess this study did kind of uh, like have some kind of actionable outcome from it in that there probably is some manifestation of long COVID, especially in people who are on ventilators. Mm-hmm. So then what's, what's the next study to really try and like nail down this effect um, in order to try and get like, you know, public support behind trying to... I guess, prevent long COVID or have some kind of like public health measures to help deal with it.
3: Yeah, I would say to define long COVID first. Because if we talk about some kind of like cognitive underperforming after COVID, we should make sure that we're talking about COVID specific things and look at people who had like tuberculosis and went on ventilator and see how they perform in four months after that
1: yeah i would definitely focus more on the the be very much more detailed about the quality of life questions so what what changed in people's life not just 12 questions about your mood way more extensive right so i still strongly suspect that people's quality of life drastically reduced and th- th- these consequences are directly following this factor
2: yeah um Olga raised that uh, question about like which what's the good if you know, kind of benchmark effect right like if there's something that's happening like the COVID or other illness or other treatment like we have maybe have some no uh, cognitive effect and that's gonna be a benchmark for us. And that is it better or worse? Like is yeah, is the co- effect of copy better or worse than that or something? So that's gonna give us like more specific uh, thing that we have to worry about. Like let's say if it doesn't, it's not different from like, I don't know, recovering from uh, flu or something like that. I don't know if that's the case, but it, we don't need to worry about that. If Even though there is like a tiny bit of effect, um, but if the benchmark is like more higher, we have to worry about that. They might maybe like do a lot, uh, change the policy or something like that. So yeah, um, I think that's a good uh, practice. Yeah, again, going back to Anton's point about any small effect can be significant in these kind of things like ha- having large sample size. So having a benchmark for uh, predicted effect size or the smallest effect size interest uh, would be a great next step if the, yeah, uh,
1: design wise. I really don't like how they play around with the effect sizes and the differences in deviations. They they take the average deviation in their tests, there's this great British test, and they're like, "Oh, look look at the same the same deviation in a classical IQ test would mean a 7 point difference." You should not make these leaps. You know, go, going in deviations from one test to another, that's not okay.
2: That's, that's great, Anton, that's great.
0: <laughs> we gotta hold him to the standard. Okay, so I guess uh, to, to wrap it up, do we think it's gonna replicate?
1: Wait, wait. I want, I want to make a joke about great British intelligence test and the scale of measurements being everything is measured in cups of tea. I have four standard cups below the average.
0: I mean, how how much does a nice uh, cup of like Earl Grey actually increase your cognitive performance? That might be the uh, antidote here.
3: Uh, About uh, three points on the average IQ test.
1: Which is an equivalent of two Lipton's.
3: Every know, everyone knows about that,
1: right? We're going to get cancelled, guys. <laughs> He's good. Okay. I don't think it's going to replicate. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to prove anything, right? <laughs> I just don't believe it. I think it's something else. It's not COVID. It's, it's things related to COVID, but not COVID itself.
3: Yes, I think it's it's really hard to disambiguate, like, the uh, disease from, you know, things that surround the disease, right, from the environment, from the uh, side effects, and from things like this. So, if we talk, when we talk about COVID, we talk about all of this, including, like, Loss of family members due to COVID because the whole families would, you know, have COVID. It's not like just one person because it's so viral. Uh, loss of job potentially and income, things like this. If this is also COVID, it's related to COVID. And I feel I feel like... Uh, we can say that a lot of those things were somewhat unique to the pandemic and uh, covid COVID pandemic in general so probably we may kind of subscribe some of the social things into the covid definition but yeah we still should like keep in mind that uh, it's not just about physiology (laughs) it's also about other things
2: yeah so in terms of like the if we repeat this we're gonna find the same result maybe like because we have like a lot of sample size and things like that but is this like effect real kind of situation like the type does it you know uh yeah so that's that's a diff- different question and yeah more work is needed <laughs> to this time again we need a mechanism as well so that's another point yeah so yeah i agree right. with two of you
0: I agree too. And I guess the one last thing that I want to talk about is sort of like the the SciComm aspect of this paper. Because uh, I I think this had like over 300 retweets and it was published um, just about two weeks ago. And so it's a a decent amount of traction on social media. So I think a lot of people are reading this paper. Um, And like, kind of in my opinion, the results are not like super convincing. But Based on the title and the abstract, I think it's being shared as like um, evidence towards the you know presence of these cognitive deficits that come along with long COVID. So um, yeah, I just want to talk for a second about like science communication and like even these authors, I think sort of have conflicting uh, incentives because the more they're retweeted, the more they'll be cited. You know, the better off they'll be in their own professional careers. So um, yeah, just. It's a it's a difficult game to play, but phrasing the title and the abstract in a way where the results are taken, like, you know, like they aren't overstated in a way that others can, without reading the paper, take and share and kind of spread.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to say, right? So maybe if you say, if you frame it as oh, cognitive deficits, then it's a cautionary tale, right? You go 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 get vaccinated. But then the reality is probably mild cognitive, you know, reduction or something in patients with COVID symptoms.
3: Yeah, and we have a lot of people who couldn't have been vaccinated because vaccine weren't there who had COVID, right? And those are living, breathing people who are getting stigmatized right now. And i've seen a lot of like titles "Covid makes you stupid and, and things like this and it yeah it doesn't sit well with me honestly
2: yeah like one thing just sticks out to me is like evidential value. like they claim to be having like a lot of participants but actually the information about information that's actually useful as us is coming from like a small subset of participants which is understandable but then that should be calibrated, Uh, I mean, that should be accounted for to calibrate the conclusions and the communicated results.
0: Very cool. Uh, Yeah, does anybody have anything else before we wrap up?
1: Don't get COVID.
0: Wear your mask, get vaccinated, all that good stuff.
3: But if you had COVID, you are not stupid. You survived, which makes you smart.
1: Yeah, get help, surround yourself with nice people, you'll you you you'll appreciate it, they'll appreciate you, you'll recover, everything will be fine, personal guarantee, if I'm wrong, go find me, I will compensate it to you.
3: Don't read stupid news titles.
0: Do your inspiratory uh, breathing muscle exercises.
1: Yes, buy vape, but don't actually vape, just, just suck on it sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, high five to all the COVID survivors. Yes. you High five. You did well. Well, we all should right. wrap up. We should wrap up. <laughs> well,
0: on that note, I think that just about does it. So thanks for everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.